I'm used to seeing my face in a mirror, you know, mirror inverted, which as we've talked about, maybe not in the podcast, but we've talked about a lot, how weird it is that it mirrors you left to right, but not top to bottom. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> Still <laughs> weirded out by that. Yep. Uh, that weirds I, me I, out. I hate it. I hate it. Why is it doing that? Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 308 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm going to be uh, doing things. Stop saying! And this is a show where we talk about, about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 16th, 2021. Dunk on everyone before we get started. There's good, we're going to be swearing on this show, so just know that. Mm-hmm. That that's going to be a thing that we do. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Who has, whose money we grabbed? Thanks for letting us grab that money. Um, now, if you're an astute listener, if you're a if you're astute, yes, if you're one of them stutes, you may have noticed that the date of today's episode is literally one day after the date of the last episode. What's up with that, Sam? Well, you know, I'm leaving for a little bit. So Sam's leaving. Also, I, I have had this on the counter for three weeks, but forgot to, you know, be like, hey, we should record another podcast episode. So big thanks to Adam and Seth for hopping in here on Friday morning to record another one. Sort of lickety split. Oh yeah, we're just we're just pumping these things out, you know. Which kind of kind of is hilarious because our last episode was like calendars, scheduling, super easy. It matters. And then you at the know, end of the day, at the end of that very day that we recorded that, we were like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I think our listeners <laughs> should be used to by now the fact that we'll be like, we're go- we're working on this. It's like awesome. It's going to be a thing, you know. And it then, changes everything. And then you hear stories in the following weeks about how we're it's not how we are not quite doing it as good as we want to. Also, but, that yeah. was day two of trying to do this, so there's, there's uh, some kinks. There's That's be fair. Some kinks. And also, a big part of this week was literally not just rebuilding our systems, but then rescheduling everything. Yeah, and so you know, some stuff kind of kind of slips through the one cracks. Of my, there. One of my kinks is messing up people's calendars. So, uh, so you know, this yeah. is all kind of working. Don't out. kink shame. Yeah, you know? don't, don't kink That's shame. Sam's kink is calendar kinking. That's yeah, true. Put, some kink, mm-hmm. put the kinks in the calendar. Well, actually, one aspect that we didn't talk about uh, yesterday slash last week um, mm-hmm. about this whole you know <laughs> time management thing was that rescheduling of you know what's going when, um, mm-hmm. which we could just hit very briefly because it's a yeah. simple idea actually. Which was this thing that I noticed was that I hadn't taken any days off for since COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess since still COVID, but also when it started. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, it's like uh, Mitch Hedberg's like, I used to do drugs and I still do, but I used to right. too, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't get any days off. Uh, and it's not even because I don't have anywhere to go because I don't like going places. That's not why I take breaks, right? Uh, I like to take breaks just to take care of stuff around the house that just like, it's just, it has built up. Uh, or just because, it's you just know. to take a break. Just need to take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just hadn't. Um, and part of what I realized was that it's because our Mondays are our production meetings, which, you know, like I should be there ideally. And the then, first thing that happens on a Monday is very important and everybody should be there. Yeah, we decided it was going to happen for the whole week. Right. So, so Monday morning, first thing we, everyone is there. Everyone has to be there. And if someone is missing, that could be a problem. Um, and then Friday is two, the last two part. It's yeah. So the, the first, first thing that happens on Friday used to be the podcast. Important. So that's important because, of course, if, if one of the three of us needs to leave, then the other two, then the, the three of us now have to like reschedule and have it be some other time that interrupts the whole week in some way. Because uh, you know, a change, even if it's the same, 
you know, a change just is disruptive. Uh, and then at the end of that day, we had our town hall where, where the whole group gets together and chats about stuff and, uh, you know, kind of kicks off the weekend in a nice way. Yeah. So, so we, we bookended the week with all the stuff that everybody needs to be there for. Yeah. So the, the days means- that, yeah, now those are the days that are the hardest to be gone for. Um, so part of our, our restructuring strategy was to say, let's take all that stuff and figure out what is just less of a big deal. So it's a two-parter. What is, what's less of a big deal for people to miss? But more importantly, can we make all of the stuff less of a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. How about so, a medium deal? Can we settle a medium, on medium deal? deals? So, so we restructured how production meetings work so that the, the daily touch is, is basically well, – that, that there is a daily touch for production basically um, so that the Monday is just less intense um, because now each day is a little more like the other day. And then we move the podcast to Thursday because now it's very unlikely in general that we have to reschedule it, right? Unless like for next week where Sam's just gone the whole time. The whole time. Right. Right. Um, so now it's only <clears> those <throat> scenarios because uh, most, most of the time the people take breaks, it's like – they Friday's just want a Mondays. long weekend. They want a long weekend, yeah. but they can't have one because we are dumb. Yeah, yes, so, exactly. So, but yeah, so this this also we were also thinking like, how do we make people take more breaks? Because we yeah, want, you, well, how you do might we ask make yourself, like, as a business like why would you want that? But I think if you find yourself asking that question, it's it's because you're dumb. You know, if you're if you can't figure out why it would be good for your people to take vacation. And that means you don't know why it would be good for you to take vacation. Yeah, you're done. Because it literally – people who are happier and who have less stress going on, like there's plenty of studies out there that show that basically going on a, a short break, frequent short vacations right, is actually like the optimal way to do this, right? Or even a tall vacation. You know, go to space. Yeah. You, want, yeah. you, know, you know, reach for the stars. Yeah, and, and you're not strictly – and you're not strictly dumb for not knowing that because the entirety of American society has been training you your entire life to think that – that's fair. That may be a bit a bit too pointed at you know, specific pointed. individuals, but uh-huh. uh, you know we're living in a, in a culture that you haven't questioned, perhaps. I mean, yeah, we live in a society, but I, yeah. So so the the change structurally we made. So again, culture is structure. Structure is culture. How do we make how do we make breaks happen? How do we make people take more breaks so that they are happier, having a better life, right? And it's make Mondays and Fridays easier to take off, but then also add more transparency and urgency to people using their break time. So now it's like every every month, everybody's getting a little digest of like, hey, here's how many days, here's how many PTO days you have. Use them. Mm-hmm. Every month, you'll get that reminder of like, they're, they're piling up, buddy. Uh, you, you, come on. Take some breaks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we have that whole thing that, that every company seems to do where you have PTO and it builds up to some point and then it doesn't go beyond that, right? And the purpose is, being to make people use it. Well, I think I think the purpose normally is not that. I think the purpose normally is just to prevent people from being gone for big chunks of time, you know? Right. Like saving yeah. it for two years and being gone for two months or whatever. Um but uh but I think the way that we were trying to then use it was to just incentivize actually taking time off. Because our worry has been the whole time that people wouldn't take time off. Uh, but I think the not realizing that the real problem was just how the time was structured, right? And also that we sure as shit are not leading by example. Because like I said, I have not taken a vacation day uh, since a year. over a year. Yeah. And when I do take vacations, it's always because there's a family vacation that I am like going on, right? So like I don't. I don't just like opt in to being like, oh yeah, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take a Friday off. You know, you're going on vacation because somebody made you. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, somebody take, made you. You don't do. take vacations; you take obligations. You know, yeah, right? Exactly. Yep, I'm fulfilling 
I'm fulfilling, and, and it, which isn't to say I don't necessarily want to, right? But but it's like somebody else has planned a vacation for me. That's why I'm gone now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's like I'm not leading by example. And it turns out that a lot of that is because of we made Mondays and Fridays hard for us in particular to take off because we have to run the podcast and then plan the work week, right? And so now we're, it's hard to lead by example. So now it comes back mm-hmm. and like maybe maybe once I start taking time off, maybe the whole like capped PTO thing – and like making sure everybody knows all the time about PTO, maybe that doesn't even matter, you know? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Because, you know, we, we changed some stuff. Yeah. We designed a new system and, uh, you know, maybe people will take some breaks. Adam. Yeah, yeah the, question Adam. Is, the question is always just, why are things designed like this, you know? Yeah, and the answer is because we're dumb. Oh, right, let's yeah, get on. Time. Let's get on to some questions. Now, now we're, we're doing this because uh, you know, like nothing happened in the last day. We just we'd had a day. It's been twenty four hours. Okay, so we're it's question. It's question getting. Well, no, no. For one second. I want to think about what happened yesterday. yesterday. I mean, 30, 39 things happened, but yesterday. I don't want to go down the whole list. <laughs> yesterday yeah. was, I will say this week has felt like nonstop meetings because we started with a quarterly review on which Monday. Which itself is a full day of Which is a full day of meetings. And then, and then we had to like then do stuff, you know, because now we had to reorganize the work week. Sam and I had to like go dig into this X.AI thing that we talked about in the last episode. Uh, and so we were just like all over the place, like trying to find new things. I started, I started trying the... What do you call that timer thing? Toggle, Tog- you know, toggle to keep track of where my time was going, uh, and try to ensure my direct report. So he and I are like always collaborating stuff. I'm giving him a code review. I'm trying to figure out how do I constrain this better. And so then he and I talked, spent a lot of time talking about how to spend less time, you know, so <laughs> it's just talking like, about how to talk less. Yeah. It just kept on going. And then so finally, like yesterday, end of day, I was like, Oh my God, I had like a few, I had like three hours that I could program. And then I just, and then I fell into the, most absurd, horrifying, frustrating, just trap of just like a bug that I couldn't figure out because there was a mm-hmm. behavior of something that I didn't understand. Then you had to talk to Sure again. Ah, and, well, sure, and, and that case sure helped me. So that was great. Yeah, uh, and, and like talking to Sure is great, right? Uh, but I always I'm like I want to be programming. I want to get the, get move the stuff forward. It says so. It just like feels like. And then last Friday I got my shot, so I was gone for half a day for that. I'm getting mine today. So like, oh, yeah, and also. Well, so we yeah Nothing we had our quarterly happened. we got all these meetings we're restructuring stuff. I've also been participating in the Games Industry Live conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my so all three of my mornings, two, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, have just been meetings and chatting with and people then all over the tell world. Tell us well, like, the results of those. So then in the afternoon, he comes and hangs out yeah. with us and, and gives so like this week. Detail. This week is just a wash. You got. I, mean, I mean, say that, but same time, because I've been I've been I've been actually scheduling. You know, I've been scheduling my time, keeping track of it, my little hour tracker thing with this new thing. Where I've got a shitload of stuff done. Oh yeah, yeah. like we're getting enough. a lot. Of, we're getting a lot of stuff done. It's just we're sque- we're really aggressively squeezing it in between the. Yeah. You know, people are like, you're like, oh yes, when the Egyptians built the pyramids, the 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 cut, squeeze stones, a piece of paper between these yeah, stones. the stones were cut so tightly you could barely squeeze paper in between them. It's like, yeah, that's about where we're at right now. Like, yep. we're just yep. we're just squeezing stuff in the cracks, but we're doing it. So next week will be a lot more open. Also, Sam will be gone, which means uh, that also kind of changes. Uh, it changes the development of Crashlands mm-hmm. 2 because if Sam isn't able to produce a bunch of usable art assets and also I don't have easy access to him for design discussions, then that means it's tech debt burn down time. Yep. It's bug fixing time. It's de- it's sort of developing like zany, weird technical shit that doesn't involve me at all time. Yeah, it's stuff like, oh, maybe I could spend a day. Can we make the water glow at night? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we can do that. Uh, Did you already do that? No. Not yet. No, because no, Sam kept making art, you know. And then I also had questions that I, that, I, that I could ask him, and that took a bunch of time too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 
Uh, now it's it's making water glow time. That whole crap. that whole we do it we must because we can thing is pretty aggravating sometimes. You know, pretty wild. Yeah, you just you got to do it. You do it because yeah, you can. So, uh, so you know, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. And if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, you can go there and get it onto a future episode. First question, highest upvoted, comes from One Dead Saint. Haven't heard from One Dead Saint in a little while. I've been around like since the beginning of time. Since the beginning. Probably one of the first people to be on our Discord back when we when we started yeah. it in like 2015 yeah, or whatever. Ones. Good people. Uh, good people. Uh, One Dead Saint says, I would like to listen to all 300 podcast episodes again. So this is an old question because, you know, he's behind. We're on 308 now. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do I listen to the first 11 that are missing? Uh, You listen to it while groaning and then having your ears bleed. That's how it happens. Primary way you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And ideally with the volume turned down quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, actually, you, you're toggling back and forth between up and down, depending on who's talking, since the volume is all over kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yes. You know. So that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Um, you also probably want to like, uh, you want probably like a good hour of prep, get into a robe, have some kind of downer, like a, a shot of tequila. <laughs> so, something to just kind of really take the edge off. Yeah, cool that rage. Yeah, maybe listen like to some Enya at the same time. If you have like a Enya shot of tequila to calm down, doesn't feel like a. You know, it's all like about a, context, Sam. Okay, I mean, yeah. it is. It is just straight booze. So it is a. It is. Yes, a, you know. some like tequila <laughs> shot that suggests that there's a party about to happen. You know what I mean? Which I guess that's is, not interesting. Like. Tequila, like taking a shot of tequila is framed in that way when really you're just mm-hmm. like, you're just straight up drinking a specific quantity of hard liquor. Mm-hmm. Just get a sipping tequila, you know? Yeah, get a yeah. crazy, get one of those get tequila a, crazy straws. Just get a really high quality on Yeho, you know, just get like an old, old, oh, yeah. like just dark brown one, you know? Dip that your, your you pink plastic it. sippy straw in there that's got oh, like yeah, seven get, this, get a sippy straw in there that like changes color when the liquid comes up to the top, Nice you know? velvety robe. Yeah, and then just take little sips. I like the idea of matching, of, of sort of mixing and matching these different vibes. Like, here's, here, here's what you do. Super fancy velvet robe. $60 bottle of Añejo tequila. Mm-hmm. Pipe. Sit in a beanbag chair. Yes. Get a crazy straw and maybe, maybe right get a- the bottle. Maybe get a shot glass <laughs> that is like rainbow and then changes color with temperature or something, Ooh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and you dunk that crazy straw in there and maybe wear some of those uh, giant glasses. That's you know, I feel that, like you have to do that when you're using No, what straw. if the straw is the was glasses? glasses. I've it's seen like those. Rim. Those are cool as fuck. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Get yourself some straw glasses so you can really think about what's going into your body as you watch it sort of circle around the periphery of your vision. <laughs> While it works its way into your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, but I think they're on sound. Are they on SoundCloud? They or are. Or did we just, they I think if you SoundCloud. go to our SoundCloud, they're, they're not part of the main They're not playlist. part of the RSS feed. Yeah, You'll have to just, in SoundCloud, we can opt things into the RSS feed, which then gets, you know, propagated everywhere onto iTunes and stuff. And what we did is we said, okay, the first, if we're being honest, like 40 episodes, audio fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. But we were like, what is the point where you go from being just like, this is the worst thing I've put into my brain to being like, this I'm, is medium. I can kind of bear this, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then relative to also the content in the, you know, the episodes. Right. And so it was episode like 12 or 13, which is the, the pint to the lizard kingdom. Yeah. That's one, a good one. Which that's just good. Has, where we found a, found a good stride and yeah. got our audio a bit under control. Yeah. And it was still uh, like, 
not great. Uh, but but the uh, the content it, like it has has one of my favorite bits from the entire podcast. And so that was the moment <laughs> yeah. where we were like, okay, this was funny enough that if you make it that far, despite the bad audio experience, that we might have hooked you. you know? <laughs> and so maybe you'll put up with us and the yeah. shitty audio for the next like twenty hours of listening. Oh, I think too it was like it was a, a couple episodes in that we started thinking, you know, thinking about like not just mic positioning, but also like Sam and I started recording under blankets. Yeah, we and, were, we were and, snuggled up in bed together with a mic between our between our cheeks. Yeah, you know? we, yeah, it was it was a it was a jank setup. We had like a Kleenex. We had, we were sitting under Sam's duvet cover with a laptop, and we each had one earbud so we could hear Adam. And then yep. we had a Kleenex box with a meteor mic on top of it. <laughs> Right, so like right that was us. when that so that was the point where we really started taking it seriously. Next level shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we learned about stuff like how close the mic needs to be to your really face. Really close. Turns out seven feet is is Not far. Close. It's pretty. Well, yeah, far. It's a hilarious thing. It's like right now because I, I I'm like my mic right now is about one inch from my face. That's what you're hearing. If I just move it backwards. Like in a way while talking, so you can hear what that's doing, right? Yep. Yeah. Like that's just, about what we used to that's, do. That's now about like eight inches away, which is not that far. But as I bring it back, it just starts to sound so much Ooh, better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you, and it's, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those obvious things in retrospect where you get a mic and you'd think, yeah, I just I put it somewhere and it's just going to pick up my voice, you know, because it's a mic, right? But like, man, that mic distance thing is su- is such a clutch. It's this. It's it's free too. You just like. Have it. Yeah, maybe. you can have a worse yeah. mic and just—it's actually one of the things about it's like lighting is the same deal, right? You can have the same webcam and then just put a light somewhere in the right spot, right? Yeah, with like a decent temperature and brightness and stuff. And like, sorry, I don't know if you guys—I don't know if Sam and Seth can tell, but like, do you see how I'm lit right now? So Adam, you've been looking beautiful. Oh, yeah. Adam, I can't even right now. This, okay. this is because I got a lamp that's now across the room that's bouncing light off the ceiling. Like I just so like I could so no, the listeners can't see this. This is you know audio poison. But I'm gonna we're showing Sam and Seth what this looks like. You know, it's like look mm-hmm. at that. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Now yep. one it's of the one, one of the things that I've heard about in the during the, the the COVID times is a lot of people are getting plastic surgery. You know, because yeah. they're looking at their, because they're looking at their face so much. I still don't believe this, but this sounds like the whole eyeball shots thing. You know what I mean? The eyeball shot? <laughs> you know, the whole thing where like we were growing up and also the news was like, Teens! Watch out for your kids. They're taking shots with their eyeballs. Oh, yeah. no, no. I mean, this is, ha- this is happening, yep. right? P- people are more self-conscious about their faces. And, well, but the, the and, side, it's actually, it's a pair of things, which is you're seeing your face a lot, but then also it's because you're not, you don't have to be in the office. So you can actually like, you could potentially leave your video off, You right? can You, you can take some time off or, or yeah. yeah. But yeah. also. So is it, is it. Is it because work from home is allowing people to do it? With I think that's always wanted. Well, to. it's it's the combo, right? Like you can do it, and there's more of an incentive to do it because you're looking at your face all the time. But also, I think web a webcam that you haven't actually like really engineered the setup for just makes you look bad. That's true, right? That's it's like looking true. in. It's like looking in a crazy funhouse mirror that just automatically makes your just everything look terrible. Yeah, so you got to yeah, you got to get the lighting. You know, and that's really lighting and angles. And once you've got that, then it's like, okay, then, then evaluate. And Seth knows all about whether you need to take that next step. I'm looking at Seth right now and he's in a dungeon. I'm in a basement. All the colors are yellow. Yeah. Uh, He's got light only coming from one side. So like half so bright. It's like a, it's like, it's like the original fable where they had the blue mon that like just sort of blew out, you know, the whole screen. One of those situations. Lighting. Lighting, lighting, lighting. He can he can just have a bad webcam and good lighting and like and you're you're just you're just a hundred times better. But the other thing I've noticed too, uh, which is something I never thought about before, is because like I'm used to seeing my face 
in a mirror, you know, mirror inverted, yep. which as we've talked about, maybe not in the podcast, but we've talked about a lot, how weird it is that it mirrors you left to right, but not top to bottom. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> Still weirded out by that. Yep. Uh, that weirds I, me out. I hate it. I hate it. Why is out. it doing that? Because uh, like it's, it's <laughs> obvious that it shouldn't, but also try to explain that, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, that's what the there. But like you only see your face that way because you see your face every morning, you know, in the mirror, right? And now on a webcam, webcams are mostly set up to show you what you would see in a mirror because that's what you're used to and it's easier to respond to it because then you're not like putting your right hand up and then on the left side something happens. It's very confusing. Uh, but then other people see you the other way in a lot of systems, right? So like, so they so, see you how they would normally see you, right? But you, you see, see yourself, you normally would see you as if you are looking in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. And so, so every once in a while, would I like flip the camera or something, or when I was like setting up OBS to do streaming, and then and now now there's this question of like, okay, what do people actually end up seeing, right? Um, and so then then periodically you just see yourself in the way that other people do, and the, the thing that I just like. It freaks me out every fucking time. It's like when I see myself normally, I feel like my face is symmetrical, you know? Mm-hmm. You, mean in, you mean in a mirror? In a mirror, yeah. yeah. When I see myself my normally. But then as soon as I see myself, my, I guess, flipped relative to how I normally do, but how everybody else does, uh, I'm like, I am Quasimodo. Because you know? like, <laughs> like, it is the case that everyone's like one of – everyone's eyes are asymmetrical. Yeah, everyone's basically. got some asymmetry. To some, to some degree. And it's actually a larger amount than you think. Like everybody's is. And so if you're if you're looking at yours and like, oh my god, I'm so asymmetrical, it's everybody. You just get used to it because of what you're seeing. Like in the same way that I'm used to my own, I'm used to – I'm used to the same assess mm-hmm. from that view. But if they were to flip their cameras right now – it would be the same thing. I'd be like, oh my God, I see the asymmetry, right? Because your brain hides yeah. it. There was a day it's, Seth did it and I was like, what? Because Seth actually smirks with one side of his mouth when he smiles. Yeah. A lot more. I use, I use one side of my mouth a lot more than the other side. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I didn't yeah. even notice it day to day. And then yeah, I don't you, notice it, it until you bring like, it up. Yeah. yeah, mine's the same deal as I talk more with the right side of my mouth, right? Um, yep. And like, and, but everyone, and this is true for everybody. Everybody has, has a, a very sort of bio, bio of asymmetry. different. Yeah. yeah uh, for, for all the things that happen on your face, including your, again, like where in your skull, where your eye holes are, you know, like how high they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, so every I, I, time I see myself flipped, I'm like, how are people even looking at me? I'm hideous. <laughs> but, but no, here's the thing. I think it's actually, cause you were saying, Adam, like it's way more asymmetrical than you think. I actually don't think that's true. I think what it is, is that since you're so used to things being offset in a certain way, yeah. When you when you flip it, it actually it makes it seem double, yeah, that's right? Because like, true, yeah, because yeah, if your right eye is a certain amount higher than your left, but very slightly, and when you flip it, then now it feels even. Higher. You know, it feels like you've kind of doubled the difference because now you're comparing one eye to the other, the opposite, you know, direction. Yep. And then it's just it's just fucking wild. Uh, but yeah, if you want a good if you want a good time, uh, yeah, go ahead and. Pop open your camera software on your Windows computer or whatever and just X flip yourself and then be cool. like, oh! just remember uh, though, you're beautiful. Nothing yep. has changed, right? You just get your lighting. Just get your lighting. And fixed. this is true yeah. for everybody. <laughs> this is just true for everybody. But yeah, get your lighting fixed and don't look at yourself the wrong way because mm-hmm. it just freaks you out. Yeah. 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 It's not a you problem. It's a, you know, the whole universe is the problem. It's a universe problem. Ooh. Ooh, nice. All right, next question comes from Ticklesaurus Rex, which I think it's a good one. You know, given the short arms, I'm pretty dubious that that's really like a a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's assuming we'll that he it. needs to tickle you with his little hands. Maybe it's like by biting you to death, or maybe he holds on to a really long feather that he plucked from a raptor. There you and go, and then he can tickle you with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, butter bros. How would a bro automate a process? A process. A <laughs> How do you? How do you know where to start if you want to automate a certain aspect of a system or workflow? Thanks, bros. P.S. Adam, I just started a PhD in genetics. Wish me luck. 
Fuck oh, yeah. Shit. Good luck. Have fun. It is PhDs, like they're hard, but uh, but this is like, a, it's sort of like getting to do the college experience, you know, but like what at the next level? Because in college, it's a whole new way of like learning and being around people. Just and living. Like, and whatever. Yeah. And living, you know, it's like a different thing. And then grad school is an extension of that. But now all of a sudden you have like autonomy, you know, and where all of a sudden you have to make these decisions, assuming you have a good PI. So, uh, so principal Vescara is a person who's like making charge you stuff. Like in charge Private eye. Um, yep. Yeah. There's a, yeah, obviously I can't, I'm not going to spend like two hours talking about all the things you could think about, but, uh, but it's, but it's he fun. would, if you let him. I would. Well, yeah, <laughs> actually just have fun though. Also, you're going to need to change your name to Ticklesaurus Rex, uh, PhD. PhD. Dr. Ticklesaurus Rex. What, is there, PhD. is there a word for it when you're like in process? Is it like uh, a, They call you a, oh yeah, there, there is though. I think you just lowercase it, you just lowercase the PhD because you're like a baby. You're like a baby mm-hmm. PhD. Something there's like definitely that. a term. I think there's definitely a word for it. There's a, there's mm. some sort of a machine outside making all kinds of racket and bells and whistles and things. So I can't hear I, it at all. Yeah, because you because that mic is that too mic far is away so, from them. Oh, perfect. Hopefully, hopefully the listeners can't hear it either. Mic is so good. Uh, okay, so I would talk about automating processes. So I think the trap that people fall into mm-hmm. is thinking about it as one thing. So yeah, let's let's talk about the game pipe. As a, as a touchstone for this, which is our automated deployment system. It's, it's how we get games built on all platforms and delivered to our QA team and also delivered to the stores, right? So uh, there was a time where we had uh, tasked Sure with this project. And we were like, and this was years ago. So we were like, sure, automate our deployments. And he was like, okay. And so he put together this, Huge plan. And this was also at a time where we like just didn't really communicate with anybody very well. And so he put together this huge plan and we just kind of left him to his devices for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once when we checked back in with him. Yeah, it was actually – it was basically I had set up the – so he and I talked a little bit, but not that much. And mostly yeah. I set up the uh, web API in Rumpus for him to be able to use to basically like take build orders and then manage them, you know? Yeah. And I explained to him how the API worked. And I, so I designed that API without like like a really good plan about how this would work and what he would need to do and whatever. I was just like, okay, what do we need to do to manage builds? And I, and I made an API for that. Right? This, I guess. And so so <laughs> then I guess basically just handed that off. And I was like, okay, well, here's the API for like the central data repository so you can keep track of stuff, right? Yeah. And then now go – Go wild. Now know? go build an automated deployment go pipeline. Go build an automated deployment pipeline. And so a month goes by, two months go by, and we check in and we're like, what's going on with this thing? And he's like, well, it's not done because – and then there's this enormous checklist of re- of requirements that he has mm-hmm. of like stuff that needs to be there before we would have an automated deployment pipeline, right? And he's making good progress. It's but- just that he's basically scripted out actually a two-year project that he's now just sort of like – yeah. And so, so we were, so we were, we had a a discussion about it and we were all like, okay, we want to be able to make automatic deployments. And is it better to, for example, like only be able to deploy just Windows builds into Dropbox right now, as opposed to being able to deploy nothing at all for two years and then suddenly trying to deploy everything. Right. Yep. So we said, okay, let's small batch this thing. This was around the time we started learning DevOps. Like as soon as we started learning about DevOps, that was when we revisited this game pipe plan. We were like, oh shit, we got to small batch this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so that's where we started. So we, we kind of scrapped, we didn't, we didn't scrap the whole plan. We just decided that there would be phases, 
right? So the first phase is just a simple thing that that when we deploy a patch or when, when we like make what we call a, a new patch, um, then our, our one build machine makes a simple Windows build, doesn't have any licensing, it's not hooked up to Steam or anything. It just makes the build, puts it in Dropbox. Mm-hmm. That's then, it. And then QA just is trained. So they have documents and they know like, here's where we go. Look for, here's where you go. Yep. And manually install it. And right. So there, so it it sounds counterintuitive, right? Cause it's like, yeah, this is supposed to be an automated system. Why are there all these manual steps? It's like, well, there are a lot of manual steps, but there's now fewer manual steps than there were. Yeah. Yeah. And the manual steps that are there are better defined. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, then all you do from there is you just start using it and you just keep, keep monitoring What's a pain in the ass? What's manual? What's the next capability that you need? To what are the what are the parts that take the most time and create the most errors? So that you try to hit those yeah. first. Uh, so so you want to have these evaluation steps and keep putting time into improving the system. But the really the most important thing is getting it to some usable state as fast as possible. Yeah, because that that's when the actual iteration. Yeah, and begins. it is and it is identifying that there because the first step is always trying to figure out because it's a movement problem, right? Automation is always a movement problem. It's that there's some piece of information, some what in the in the biz they refer to as an artifact, which is a fancy way of saying some Ooh. some piece of data that has been built or whatever that you need to store somewhere or send somewhere or whatever. A uh, MacGuffin. So yeah. so you've got so you've got this this artifact. And that's and that's basically what all of automation is, right? It's like getting the right information at the right time to the right place. It's movement. And so you need to figure out how are things moving now? Right. That's the first question, right? And next question is, ideally, how would they move instead, yep. right? And then you kind of map out what that might look like and trying to minimize the number of steps, minimize the amount of movement. Because movement is one of those sources of waste. It's one of those sources of errors because now a handoff has to happen. That's what movement between two entities that manage things is a handoff, right? So this is true not just for automation. This is true for regular work, Right. All of workflow is some sort of a process of moving one thing to another place. So figure out what's there. Come up with something that's like, okay, here's what this could look like in like a, a without any details. Like in an ideal world, here's kind of what would happen instead, right? And then figure out what is the worst part of what we have now compared to what we would want to have and hit that. And it's not necessarily the worst because if you look at that and you're like, oh, well, in order to fix that at all, we'd have to hit all these prereqs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this, it's this, now this game of you figuring out like, what are the prereqs to do anything, right? And just um, start chipping away at them. Start chipping away, but realize that you can have a very shitty thing, right? <laughs> that because it's automated some stuff is already it's, way better than what you had. Yeah. And that yep. it's okay if you know that to get to where you want to go, you have to go through these shitty things that don't even look like at all, maybe, mm-hmm. right? The thing that you want to have because – because uh, there's a bootstrapping problem here, right? You can't have some things without some other things, and you're trying to figure out how do you make any progress at all. So I think another good example with the game pipe is for prereqs was that we had to do a better job of how we managed versioning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so what it used to be is I would literally just like just make a build on my computer, and that was it. That was the build. <laughs> yeah, that was it, right? Yeah. yeah, we had to do yeah. a better job of managing versioning, and then also between uh, Seth and Sure collaborating. So when Sure would make updates, and then Seth would try to. Because the question is, well, if Sure wants to make a build and Seth wants to make a build, uh, how do we make sure that we know like which one is the newer one? You know, and like if they're coming from different branches in uh, in, in source code, like wh- how do we know which one is like? Which one's which one's the one? You know, what does this mean? And so that so we, we learned pretty quickly that that was the real prereq was like that. That was the one we actually had to solve before yeah. we could easily move forward with the rest. Automatic everything else kind of fell from that. Management. Yeah, and it didn't have yeah. to even be automatic at that time. We just had to. 
It had to be disciplined. It had to have a plan. It had to be articulated. And that's, I think that to me, that's the the main takeaway from all of this is that, is that currently all of your processes that you have, just statistically speaking, because almost none of it's automated, right? Um, so everything that you're doing is moving one thing from one place to another, just in, in a series. And you're not even aware, like explicitly of most of those steps. Mm-hmm. And even if the only thing you have done is articulated all of those steps, you're already well on your way to automation. Like you've already done that part. And as Sam can attest to you also with our pipe stuff, right? Is the first step was figuring out like, what am I even doing? Like, what are the steps oh, yeah. that are happening? Because I mean, a lot of what had- Sam did was just made those steps better and reduced the number of them without any automatic stuff at all. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's, that's really the power here is like, if you, I think that some of the best tools for this are, I mean, if you want to make a flow chart, whatever else, but if you, while you're going through whatever the process is that you feel has some jank to it, uh, that you want to improve while you're going through it, just, just, uh, notate essentially what the flow of actual steps is. And then in particular, where in that flow, it's the case that you frequently have to come back or there's errors that get produced like at that stage that maybe show up later. Uh, and really just work through the whole process from, from that start to finish. Uh, and then once you have that, you should basically have a list of bullet points about improvements that you can make like within any given step, literally immediately, oftentimes, where it's like, oh, I could set up a hotkey for this. So I don't have to think about how to set this particular thing up. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can uh, – I'll change how my files are – my file directory works so that things are just a little more consolidated so I don't s- spend so much time figuring out where things are. Or Yeah, I'll put a there. shortcut on my desktop to get somewhere. Or I'm actually yeah. just thinking – as I'm thinking right now, like here's an example of something that I could – start working on is, is our podcast preparation, right? For, and for, for me, it's basically like I come up into my office. I need to close the blinds to reduce sound reflections off of windows, right? I need to make sure that my mic is positioned closer than usual, even so that I'm getting the, you know, crisp quality sound. I need to make sure that I've unplugged things that make noise and make sure I've turned off my AC so that it won't suddenly kick on, right? And to make sure I've muted my, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to happen right now. I'm just making, trying to remember all of this. And then mostly getting it right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I have to open audacity and I have to make a new project. I have to increment the number. Right. There's a bunch of, it's all just tons of change the volume of my mic to knock it down a little bit. Cause I'm so close to it. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that I'm just doing. Right. And I'm just trying to remember every time, like at minimum, if I just made a fucking checklist, right. And a recurring card and click up. Just, I literally did that two days ago. <laughs> and as, as I'm saying, this, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And that's the first step is to do that. And you can imagine like, once you have that, then now you can see like, okay, now I actually have a process and I can prevent errors because I just go through this list. Right. And then you can ask now within this, what are things that are easy to automate? Yeah. Right. And I would and say the answer that, is only things that are on the computer. Everything else, you know, is, is not but even there. Like what if I had a like a little thing I could run that just turned the mic volume down and, and made a new audacity file mm-hmm. and opened it. Right. I could probably figure that you could out. make that. Yeah. Right. And then at the end of it, another one that I could run that would turn the mic volume back up, switch it back. Right. <laughs> Like I could probably do that. Yeah, you could yeah. do that. And it would take some time, but one error that know. I think people make is, is basically overdoing it. Uh, when you like, Oh, basically over tightening, uh, the rule set for these sorts of things. Yeah. So a really good example for me is, is always comes down to hotkeys and, uh, these things called auto actions in clip studio. Uh, so clip studio lets you, it's like a macro, I think in a, a Photoshop or whatever else where basically you can hit sort of hit record and then it basically rec- it record the series of actions you do. And then you can sort of store that set of actions, like a little mini process. And then you just hit a button and it'll, It'll do it again, right? Uh, it's I mean, it's got some finicky stuff to it where you need to be careful about like names and some other things like that. But for the most part, you can you can essentially automate uh, some of these really common tasks. Like say say there's a particular structure in which you make uh, make layers for uh, completing assets in a game or something. But once you get to a point where you're ready for that, you can just hit a button and be like, there it is, right? All your stuff's ready to go. Um, 
The problem I found though is that if you if you do sort of like this over tightening where it's like if there's too many if there's actually too many steps that you're trying to take care of all at once and there's any variability in the system for which exact steps need to be there then it's actually highly likely that you'll start using the process uh run into the situation where it sort of is doing more than it actually needs to which causes its own problems because then you have to like delete some shit or go back or you know whatever else like go fix some stuff up that got automatically done that you didn't really want automatically done uh, and so it's better to build these things almost a little bit more modular, modularly. Yeah. So you need that flexibility to change the process. Yeah. 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 But, but as just to kind of like really seize on that sort of core idea, um, when you're talking about, this is all about DevOps. This is what DevOps is just like loves, right? Mm-hmm. The first, the first phase of, of DevOps is making the work visible. And honestly, like once you do that, you kind of can't help but keep moving down the rest of the process, you know, yeah. because once yeah, you, you see, just start fixing things. yeah, once you can see the flow of stuff, you can't help but be like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is this it is, is it, this is out of control, absolutely, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to just to really like focus on that. The most important thing in DevOps is exactly that. The most important thing, I think, just period, when it comes to dealing with work. And this is true at home. This is true at work. And this is even not talking about DevOps and not talking about automation. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is making the work visible. Because now think about like your classic, your classic like couple drama scenario, which is somebody believes they're doing more work than the other person. And then the hilarious thing is if you look at any fucking survey ever done of couples, both fucking partners believe that they are doing more work than the other person, right? Yep. Why is this? It's because the work is invisible, right? And well, and you definitely see what you did. You see what you did, but you don't see what the other person <laughs> did. But also, you, it's hard for you to like. It's hard for you to evaluate what you did, right? Like, yeah, like you, like you, like you, you know, you did the dishes, right? You know, you did whatever, right? But each person now evaluates the the meaning and complexity of that work differently, right? And the only things you remember are the things you remember doing, but you also remember the things that you were frustrated somebody else didn't do, and you remember those even more because yep. negatives, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. The whole like make the work visible thing is is essential everywhere because this is also true for you when you're down on yourself because you're like, oh, I didn't accomplish anything today. So like, what did you do though? Take a right? Because yeah. if you actually went back and could truly see what you did, which you can't because you're not making it visible, then you would be like, oh, shit, I did a lot of stuff today, right? Because like anything that is invisible, it's like handling some emails, you know, stuff that you just kind of take care of, you know, your typical chores. All of that stuff that's invisible uh, is stuff that you don't know you're doing. And if you yeah. don't know you're doing it, you can't evaluate if you could do it better. You can't evaluate if you're doing enough. You can't honestly evaluate anything. Can't evaluate what you can't understand. Yeah. And this is this is also why the first step of Marie Kondo's life-changing magic of tidying it's up true. is Marie Kondo's take, DevOps. Person. She's a de- she. She's like bringing DevOps into the home, and which is yeah. go into your closet. Get everything in there Make and it throw visible. it throw it into a pile in the middle of the yep. room. Like that's the first step individually. So yeah. See and so, thing. yeah. So this is literally the exact same process. It's mm-hmm. just make it visible, evaluate each piece of it one at a time, and then make some decisions. Right. And, and you can't help but make decisions once it's visible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, the end result of that is like you do less stuff. Uh, you do that stuff better. You know what you're doing. And, uh, and then some aspect of that you could call automation. Right. But automation isn't necessarily the goal. Actually, the goal is to make the work visible and understandable and reproducible with minimum error. Mm-hmm. Yep. And automation may get you there, but maybe some other tweaks will as well. Uh, all right. Next question comes from B. Scotch Carl, who says, Inside the house. Yeah. Who says, how do you maintain the cleanliness of your desktop and hard drive? 
between your main projects and side projects the three of you have, I'm sure you've got an obscene number of files. But how exactly do you organize them all? I have so many art projects I've started that get dumped into one folder, and it's getting disgustingly hard to find the ones I'm wanting to mess with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for starters, you know, we can go back to uh, go back to Marie Kondo for this one. Mm-hmm. D- delete. People say that the uh, you know the the most powerful key in a programmer's toolkit is the delete key, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be a hoarder. Don't hold on to old newspapers from 1997. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to recognize that some of those art projects that you made, you made so that you could learn a thing and then you literally never need them or need to look at them again. Yeah. So I actually yeah. think yeah. of uh, the first, uh, speaking of DevOps processes, the first major improvement we made ever in like our art to game pipeline was the creation of the working images folder uh, when we were making yeah. what, was it. <laughs> it was Crashlands. This is game number three. Um, yes. And what had happened before that was every time that something got exported, it was just in the pile. So set that up to figure out which things were new or it had to I'd name have to go them find it. Whatever else. Yeah. And so all we did was just split it. And basically say like there's essentially a working bench, kind of like how your brain works, right? You have like your working memory where you're doing stuff. And then you got the long-term storage where like you might want to pull something out later. So you don't necessarily want to delete everything, but you probably won't be touching it and it just needs to be searchable. So – the way I set this up on my machine with uh, with art and actually with like literally everything now is I just – and I do this actually inside of art uh, files themselves when I've been working on sketches and that sort of thing. And I, they're basically there's a, there's a collection of materials that I made in process of doing the work but that I don't care about because I probably will never need to touch them. But I do want to keep them around in case I do because sometimes you do. So all I do is I just make a folder called retired. That's it. And then stuff that I'm no longer working on goes into the retired folder. So what this is, does then is that that keeps on getting bigger, but I don't care because it's searchable. It's just a pile of searchable stuff. Exactly. So whatever. And then otherwise- You may, you may dip in there once a month or something to, to pull up exactly. a thing. But. And then otherwise there's like maybe five, five to 10 sort of like things that are either they're relatively new, so I haven't retired them yet, uh, or I'm currently working on them. That's sort of it. Uh, and then every, it's like every week or two, I'll just look in there and if I see a bunch of stuff- then I'm like, oh, and then I'll just move some things into the retired pile. The so key like to that back. is searchability, right? Yes. Because uh, this is also – so I, I don't have art assets. I just have you know lots of code projects. Um, and I used to do a lot of hierarchical organization. Uh, and But there's it's garbage. A, there's a, I can't remember exactly what the phrase is or where I even saw it. But it's the idea that, uh, that if you can choose searching over sorting as from algorithms where your work is by. going – Right. Yeah, that's where it was. Uh, always choose searching because because hierarchies are rigid and also not very useful because it's hard to do many to many mappings. Right. Because it's basically like okay, well, this thing is code, but also it's a project or whatever. Right. It's uh, it's really hard to conceive of uh, hierarchies of of organization that don't start to fall apart immediately. But you also see in things like how we define what species are what and stuff, right? Like as soon yep. as you look at it slightly different, you're like, oh shit, well, the genetics actually say this is this other kind of thing. Oh no, how do we, it's both of these though. How do we do it? And the answer is like, this is a stupid way to do it, right? Yep. Uh, so if you find yourself like with nested folders where it's like, oh, this is the thing for this year and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, this is why it's hard for you to manage your stuff is because there's a huge amount of mental overhead anytime you're working with something of, okay, like what categories does this fall into, right? Uh, versus having some way where you can essentially tag things, right? Uh, does Dropbox let you tag stuff? Like, does they have a system like that? 
I mean, I think there's no, no, no. I think there's actually, a built-in system for it. In they might have some stuff. I don't know because I actually actually don't use Dropbox because I, I find it impossible to find things. Right. So for me, everything goes into uh, everything that I can handle goes into uh, uh, Google in some capacity because its search is also really good, uh, or you know GitHub. Like it, you know, I, I try to find ways to manage my stuff where I know that I can use sort. But the other part of that is naming things really well, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that mostly has to do with having a name convention where things are unambiguous, uh, where things will sort usefully. So like if date matters, put that first. That's how dates will end up sorting in a useful way, right? Uh, the, the point being, there's there's all kinds of there's infinite ways you could hierarchically organize stuff. But if you can have good naming conventions, um, then you're already well on your way. And if you have no way to like add tags and stuff, have the names include stuff in it. Like so, if the name of your thing gets really long. But now all of a sudden you could throw it in a pile and five years later search find for a it. word and <laughs> yeah. like be able to find it. Then that's that's an, that's a win, right? You d- you mm-hmm. did great. Now, the a, final well, piece of that though is to be able to take the stuff that you don't care about. So Sam had talked about this archive, right? Mm-hmm. If you can find a way to not have to think about it at all mm-hmm. and not even see it and have it not be there, that's the ideal. And for me, that's basically projects I'm not working on, like like code projects. I just delete off my local system. They're just not there. You have uh, them in a GitHub repository. They're in GitHub. They're, so, they're remote, right? Yeah, and, so, and I do this with, with Dropbox. Dropbox is syncing folders because you can yep. on your machine. You could just say like, "Don't even." I don't care about it. like, "Don't sync this." Yeah, to don't my even machine. sync it. It's the same idea. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I, I sync almost no, nothing from Dropbox on my local machine because if I ever need anything, I need probably one thing. I just go to their you know online interface and just do a search for it and hope that the search that the naming convention is good enough that I can or not even good enough. It's that that I can get. And this is the problem, right? Because I can now say Sam puts an art thing in Dropbox. And now let's say I want it, right? How do I find it? Because this is this is, this is like the discovery that we had is that it's basically impossible for like me to find something that Sam made unless the naming convention is something that I would guess at, right? So if I'm like, right. ooh, I want the Crashlands box art. If I can literally search Crashlands box art and then the things related to that are what mm-hmm. comes up, then it didn't matter how Sam organized it, right? Uh, and so so the key is naming conventions and then throw, being able to throw things in a pile and forget about them. And if also part of the question here, uh, Carl, is basically like if, if the searching part of it is actually the problem, then you can ask yourself where that search is being done. So like I know that when I try to search for stuff using Windows itself, it's garbage. If you try to – if I try to just like look around in uh, in Dropbox using the File Explorer on Windows, also garbage. But if you – like Dropbox, if you go through the website, you could search like a – crazy person like their search through the website is fantastic i found um for uh for digging up stuff but you have to do it through the website it's doing it through your the little desktop app is like a non-starter so that's how like i found a, a thing for adam for a uh for that crashlands promo art through that like i didn't know where the file was i don't even have it on my computer anymore because it's all just smart synced right so yeah yeah I, li- I like to think about this stuff too as um so there's the the inbox zero philosophy which is inbox zero says when you get an email either it's something that you're going to do something about or it's not Right. Those are the two kinds of emails that you get. Uh, if it's not something you're going to do stuff about or that you never need to worry about, delete or archive. Ar- delete it, archive it, or better yet, if you're, Spam you it. know if you know you're going to get more of these that you're never going to do stuff about, make a filter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that it never appears again. Uh, so that then ultimately, what you end up with your email inbox is just active stuff. So yeah. it, it becomes like a task list, right? And so. And then the, the emails that you don't need anymore, but may need to sort of dredge up later, maybe a receipt for a thing that you bought on Amazon or whatever, right? Like you can just search for those using the search feature. Mm-hmm. And just so there's, 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 yeah, so there's, there's two categories of stuff. There's stuff that you need a, a, a quick access to, which is stuff that you're currently working on. That goes in one place 
And there ideally is not a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's your infinitely growing pile of garbage of stuff that you've worked on in the past that you will probably never need. Yeah, but uh, you want to be searchable because like someday one of those random ass things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think one of, the, and, one of the key points I think with Inbox Zero though, because like I think my, my beef with Inbox Zero is that there's not a follow-on, which is like Inbox Zero is all about getting your inbox as it currently is to zero, but there's no follow-on about saying – how do you get more shit to not come into your fucking inbox, right? I'm swearing yeah. in particular in this because this makes me so mad because the I idea email. that your email <laughs> that your email should like that the stuff coming into your email has to be cleared means that there's sort of a, I mean there's it seems to people talk about this before like a, there's sort of a tyrannical aspect to this idea of inbox zero, right? Which is like people are sending you emails and you have to clear them. Like it's inbox zero itself is like its own kind of philosophy about well, this. Well, yeah, I think that's a, without yeah, the I mean, next step though, which is like how do you get how do you have fewer things to process in your inbox? Which is where some of these follow-on steps for cleaning up stuff comes in, right? Yeah, well, well and that's also that's part of inbox zero, because inbox zero isn't about like, oh, you have to do this now, like people are controlling you, right? It's mm-hmm. it's that you are retaining control because there is stuff in there you have to do, right? And the only way you can keep track of that and handle it effectively is by making it visible, because that's the key mm-hmm. to fucking everything, right? And it can't be visible in a background of noise, which means you have to get rid of the noise. And there are lots of ways to do it, right? They all come down to inbox zero in some fashion or another, but but Sam, what you're talking about it is now automating parts exactly. of inbox zero. And yes. a lot of that is finding ways to identify stuff that you don't need or stuff that you know how you're going to act on it so they can go into some other system automatically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because uh, even with inbox zero, it's, it's that what you should see in your inbox is is always either nothing or stuff you're supposed to evaluate right now the next time you look, right? So even if it is like a few things because it's like this is now – you think of it as a to-do list, right? Then that's why there's a snooze button, at least in Gmail. Presumably other services have mm-hmm. this too, right? I use that button. button more than any other oh, button. Yeah. Constantly, right? <laughs> yeah, the snooze button is you saying like, okay, I know I need to deal with this, but I'm going to literally forget it exists, right? Because I want to deal with this tomorrow or in a week or whatever, right? You snooze it for them. The only thing that's now in your in your inbox is things you're about to do. Or and, snooze. Or snooze. That's it, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, or archive or whatever, right? But, but, you're, but the point being is that everything that's in there, you're going to make not be there, right? Uh, but this isn't just true for email. This is also how we manage work for like going through ClickUp, right? We have an inbox. We have a to-do list. The to-do list is the snooze pile, right? Everything that goes into the to-do list has a date on it. There's an automation that when that date gets hit, puts it back in the inbox to be revisited. We treat it the same way because this is a really effective way, like in the inbox zero style, uh, where you kind of think about it a little more generally. So it's not about email, Mm -hmm. right? It's about surfacing work. It's about making Mm -hmm. the work visible at the right time and making sure that stuff that doesn't need to be visible is not, but that you can trust that it will become visible when it needs to be. Yep. Right. That's the purpose. Yeah. Well, and, and also the sort of a final piece of that is that idea of cutting out noise. So, yeah. So in Gmail, you can create filters. You get a, like, let's say you get a, let's say because you bought a, a flip flop 17 years ago, you now get 39 emails from flip flops yep. or us. Being like, we got a great deal on the left flip flop from that right flip flop that you bought seventeen years Aggressively ago. Aggressively unsubscribe is actually step number one. So yes. unsubscribe to everything. However, what you will find is that sometimes you'll unsubscribe from shit, and then that same company will, even though this is not allowed, will sign you up for some other fucking newsletter that they have and be like, we got a new thing going on, and then they'll start sending you stuff again. So you can you can filter messages. You can you can block stuff, and when you create those filters, you can filter by like sender by keyword. So maybe, for example, like maybe U.S. Bank once a month says, hey, I got this e-statement for you. And I'm like, I don't. I literally I, don't care. I, I know how to check my bank account. 
and they mm-hmm. don't they actually don't give you the ability to unsubscribe from that specific kind of email. Right. But you don't want to flag it as spam because now all of a sudden you might not get any USB emails. Right. right. So so I just make a filter and I'm like anything that says e statement in Delete it. Delete it. It just automatically, well, it just, yeah, it just goes right, away. It yeah. skips, skips my inbox, gets archived, gets marked as red. I never see it anymore. Yeah, I still prefer um, deleting over archiving because uh, because now you basically have created chaff for searches, right? That's right. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If there's something that, you're, that you have a very specific – so if I just put e-statement as the search and then I'm deleting it, then I might actually catch something. That's yeah, pretty yeah, broad. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, you want you if you're deleting careful. stuff, yeah. you want to make sure that it's very specific. But uh, yeah, so like do – do anytime so anytime you get hit by something that is noise, uh, right there and then come up with a system to make sure that you don't get hit by that noise again. So just yeah. do that diligently over time, and and it'll just become yeah. Much, well, that, much that is the beauty of like a really well managed. And this is, this is a work management system that we're talking yeah. about here, right? Really well managed systems are controlling how the how the work comes in, how it gets resurfaced, how it moves through some sort of a work pipeline, and so on, right? And that includes over time improving all of it. So because it's recognized the fact this is also true of like a you know ClickUp or any kind of a task management list mm-hmm. is that a to do list and just as like an email email inbox can just grow indefinitely, right? Will that's that's, that's what they will do see. by default is because there's more work out in the world than you can possibly do, and people are trying to make you do some of that work, right? And there's all those idea people thinking of stuff for you to do. Yeah, <laughs> there's just there's just tons of it. So there, there's just more than you can do, and so if you don't. If you're not constantly applying mechanisms to triage and delete and purge uh, all of the stuff that's coming in, then you always will have that ever-growing backlog. But the more you do of this, of aggressively unsubscribing from things, filtering stuff, deleting things, uh, you know, snoot, putting, just putting it all in the right place, then uh, then over time you can actually hit an equilibrium. You know, where yeah. things are going up as fast as they're coming in. It's just the same because you've made sure that that you understand how much work can be done and are getting rid of stuff that will never happen. Cause there are, there are some things too that are like important actually, you know, it's important meaning like, so say a bunch of like bugs on the website of how some things are rendering or something, right? Like it's important. Like people see that they see that there's something wrong there. And like, if I fixed it, people would have a better experience. Right. Uh, but also there's never going to be a moment that I can imagine where doing that will be more important than other stuff that I have to do. Right. <laughs> so that's not going to go, that's not in my to-do list. Right, I'm, I'm deleting. Del- I there. delete those things. They're just not in there. There may be some day where I'm like, for some on a whim, I'm like, ooh, I want to go fix a few things or whatever. Right, but at that time, I'll go fix the things that are high priority to that thing too. Mm-hmm. Right, so yep. so a lot of it is getting rid of that that sort of uh, delusion is too strong of a word, but that like you imagine that like oh someday you know someday I will do this. Uh, so I may have to make sure that I don't forget. Right. Except that now think of all the noise and that pile of stuff you're not supposed to forget. You're never, you're not going to remember it. Well, try importantly, forgetting is very important for being able to think clearly, turns out. So you can't, you're not going to be able to think through some of these problems and think through some of the stuff or even search through in some cases uh, if there's all this noise in the system. Yeah. So yep. figure out how to make stuff Too much in there. forgotten and it'll be good. Yep. Cut out the noise. You'll be good to go. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, I guess for t- this is twice this week, but still, you know, it's all the time we have. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.